Hello, listener. Welcome to the second episode of the year of Ancient Ways for Modern Days. Uh, I am Andrew, and with me, as always, is Mike. All right. And today we have uh, we're doing something new. We're uh, we're actually going to be talking about a book available to us, at least us as a church at all of our campuses. But it's also available online at Amazon. I'll leave a link in the description below. But today we're talking about who the, our identity in Christ. So before we jump on any jump in any further, Mike, do you want to kind of just share? Kind of the passage or a passage that kind of inspires the topic. for That's today. right. So uh, a little bit later in our conversation, we are going to look at the first chapter of this. And it's really talking about how we are we are created. And I think it's appropriate to start with God speaking to Job at the end of Job after Job has had everything stripped away and, and gone through this entire process. And then and God comes and this is this is God's word to Job. He says, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know, or who stretched the line upon it, or what were its on what were its bases sunk, or who laid its cornerstone when the morning star stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. That's Job thirty four or thirty eight four through seven. All right, so I'm excited to jump into that conversation of just about being a creator or sorry, being a creation created by an all powerful God. Mm-hmm. And we're going to jump into that. But before we do that, this is the, actually, this is our second episode of the year, but it is our first recording of the year. Mike, how was your new year's? How was Valley United? We did, we actually, at the time of this recording, we did our first Valley United as of last night. Yeah. Right? 2020. Yeah. So let's, let's just back up. Mike, how was your new year's? How did you ring in the, the new year's? Yeah. So new year's, my plan was to go to bed nice and early. <laughs> Yeah, get up the next go? day nice and early. Yeah, but I got these things called kids, and they really wanted to stay up late, and so uh, we let them stay up till midnight. Um, and uh, I stayed up with them till about I don't know ten forty five, eleven o'clock, and oh, then, man. and then I turned in. Uh, so it was it was fun. It was good. We we hung out. We had a good time, and uh, and they were so tired the next day. They, <laughs> I think they're still. I think they're. I think we're all still recovering from just the 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 fullness of Christmas and of New Year's. Um, and then, of course, of, of this weekend, having a new series that we began in the book of Philemon. Yes. And also jumping in last night with Valley United. So yesterday, we actually, between one of our services and Valley United, we have uh, we baptized three people. And it was really, it was kind of wonderful. Yeah. I, I, man, I'm so <laughs> excited about that. Uh, just just backing up, like New Year's was an interesting day because i you had reminded me the last time we were together that um it's i find it maybe it's a point of pride but like the idea that like it's new year's day i like to get up early Mm -hmm. and just start to get after just set set the tone for the new year so the night before our new year's thing between my brother and i and i had a couple friends over was we went i went to papa pete's got a large pizza brought it back we watched the mandalorian uh because alex is finally your brother Alex. Yeah, my yeah. brother Alex is finally starting to like catch up on that, and it's funny because so you watched all eight, eight episodes. No, no, we. I think we watched two or three episodes that night. Okay. And he, uh, what's funny to me is like the the world right now is just in love with Baby Yoda. Okay. But Alex is like, dude, that is the grossest thing I've ever said. <laughs> he's, he's just, I'm not sure if he really feels that way, but he's trolling people. Like he'll jump on social media and be like, finally watching the Mandalorian. I don't understand this Baby Yoda thing. It's like a, this gross little gremlin and all this stuff, which. Actually, now that he mentions that, there is it looks kind of a lot a, like it, yeah. Yeah. Without a, hair. Yeah, a cuter gremlin, I guess. But uh, 
man, people like he doesn't get on social media often, but the moment he posted that, his his Facebook blew up, and people are coming after him, <laughs> and he's just laughing his head off. So when Disney finally uh, releases their Baby Yoda dolls, we got to get one for him. Yeah, that'd be really good. <laughs> <laughs> so we we did that, and I think it was eight o'clock, eight p.m. Uh, my friends were still over, and I looked at them and I'm like, hey, you need to leave now. <laughs> and they're like, what? I'm like, no, this is it. That was New Year's for me. You don't have to go home, but you can't. Yeah, stay here. <laughs> I was like, just, so they they left, and uh, I went to bed. I went to bed, and at midnight, I gently, I, I did gently woke up to the rumbling of fireworks, yeah. and I just smiled because I was ready. I just reached over to my nightstand, grabbed my earplugs I had positioned earlier in the night, put put them in, and rolled back over. Nice. <laughs> so, so that was it. So, but yeah, um, Valley United. Man, baptisms. I, man, yesterday in the morning, we got to see a grandparent baptize their grandson. Mm-hmm. And ten year old boy. Ten. Well, he's going to be ten next next month. And I, number one, I as I was just listening to this this boy, as actually earlier in the year, I got to sit down with him and talk to him about baptism because he came to us saying, "I would like to be baptized." We don't just start baptizing anyone and everyone. So I sat down, we talked about what it means, we talked about his faith in Christ, and just hearing this child articulate faith, uh, to articulate sin and the need for repentance and the need to turn to Christ at really at eight and nine years old to understand it, really like re-excited me for children's ministry and family ministry. I think to myself, that I think it's easy to discount children sometimes and you think to yourself, oh, they don't know what's happening. They don't know what's going on or whatever, but they really, they do. They understand it at, at some level enough to really dedicate their life to it. Talking to, to this boy reminded me that I was eight. I was eight when I accepted Christ and it just set me on this trajectory. You know, it's been, it's not easy, but it's, it's, that's where I've been. And I keep thinking about like, man, how much, how many other kids do we have right now that like for sure the Lord is working in their hearts and we just need to continue as a church to minister and to love them. Yeah, it's definitely a dance with a with a child. You know, that ten year old age is is a, a, an interesting age because that's when they really do start to make it their own. And uh, it's wonderful when you see them actually expressing faith on their own, showing fruit, showing an eagerness and a desire to follow Jesus, doing the the the, the things that it looks like that, that appear in a life that manifest in a life when you say Christ is Lord. Yeah, and so it was pretty fun to watch him. And and then uh, and then last night a couple of uh, young adults doing the same thing. Oh, for sure. And uh, having, man, just a, a great group of people last night coming together to, to celebrate that. Yeah. My favorite thing is one of the guys, or the guy that got baptized last night, uh, he is a quiet guy. I have maybe had a total of 20 seconds worth of conversation with him in the last two years or so. I, I maybe, And that was the most I've ever heard him communicate ever. It was when he was giving his testimony. And he had a lot of good things to say. And that was encouraging too. I don't know. That, I guess as a pastor, or as someone who just works with you know other people, just because someone is quiet doesn't mean that things aren't connecting. Right? They're just contemplating. Things. That's a lot of why we do the testimony part, right? We want people to share their story, like to not just stand up and say I believe in Jesus and get dunked, but to say this is this is where I'm coming from. This is how how life worked in a way that brought me to the spot where I realized I needed a savior. This is what it looks like to trust him for me, and this is how he's working in my life. What encouragement just to hear those stories. Um, I actually had a few people tell me last night after the service, like 
how encouraged they were by just hearing those stories. Yeah, that was good. And actually, so we, let's talk about baptism just for a second. I don't. I think in the past we've talked about what baptism is, but I do know that after both services, I had some parents say to me like, "Hey, my child is is, is interested in baptism. What needs to happen from here?" Or and I think you had some adults saying that they are ready to get baptized. If you're listening to this and you're a part of Valley, uh, just a heads up: like we have another one planned in a couple months. Yeah, tentatively we plan it every six months, so okay. we kind of make a big deal about it, do mm-hmm. it a few times a year. Um, if there's a need, we'll, we'll schedule it sooner than that, but yeah. yeah. And so if you're interested, uh, if you have a child interested, so just so you know, I, I'm, we're really big on just making sure that a child understands what they're doing. We have turned away, uh, kids, not in the idea because we're trying to be mean. We just let them wait for a while. Yeah. We, we want this to be a meaningful thing. So it's not one of those things where they're like, Oh, I think I was baptized yeah. and, I, and they didn't, it didn't mean anything. We want them to really comprehend. And we want to make sure they're not doing it just to please their parents. Cause right. you know, that's in kids. They, they mm-hmm. see parents following Jesus. They want to do it in a sense to, to show their parents they're doing the same, but it, it's gotta be more about them and the Lord right. versus them and their parents. Yeah. We, I had a, a parent, our family a couple of years ago that I was t- sitting down with them and asking them the questions. They didn't, they didn't know the answers. They didn't know. They, they knew the word Jesus and Holy spirit and their grandparent was like feeding them all the right answers. And I was like, ah, that's not what we're about Yeah, because that's, that's, that's not going to be good for them over the course of time. So we're not trying to be mean spirited in that. We actually are trying to care. Yeah. And so that's, that's, that's what it is for kids. So I'm not, if you have a child that's interested in baptism, I'm not trying to discourage that. I'm just saying there's a process yeah. and that's kind of the philosophy behind that. So feel free to reach out and I would be more than happy to connect with, with any family yeah. and talk about their kids and, and baptism. So, but coming back to Valley United, one of the things we did last night uh, is prayer. One of our first ever corporate prayer sessions that wasn't just like one person reading, praying for the entire congregation. Can you, Mike, when you elaborate what that prayer service looked like last night? Yeah. It was pretty awesome. Yeah. So what we did is we, in part, you know, we took like, I think it was about 15 minutes and we had four different things we prayed about and we broke people up into about groups of 10 or so. And, uh, and, you know, preparing people for this, this is, this was new, this kind of setting. And so we prepared people actually with your advice, just to acknowledge this is a little awkward and this might be outside of some of our comfort zone, but this is also something that God calls us to do. And this is some of the greatest spiritual work we ever do is when we pray, especially praying together. So we broke up into these groups and we just gave a few minutes for each theme and we allowed people the freedom to not pray. Um, and so the groups were big enough that that someone could be part of a group, not say anything. And yet the group was still praying. Um, and so in a sense, they were learning how to pray as they listened to other people. I was thinking about some people that are maybe newer believers mm-hmm. or maybe not even believers. And they were there last night to, to witness the baptism of a family member. Yeah. That was an opportunity for them to kind of peer into following Jesus and, and what it was to look like to go before God almighty in prayer. And so we prayed for Valley, one of our first themes. Mm-hmm. Um, actually our first theme was to pray just, gratitude Gratitude. and so we just took time and just encouraged people to echo prayers of of thankfulness for who god is for what he's done for who jesus is we we said thank god for the good things happening in your life and we even thank god for the trials and the difficulties in our life because that's how god is growing us and shaping us and then we prayed for valley things like unity for love of the word for love of each other prayed for our community especially against some of the the real strongholds, right? You know, we prayed for families in the community. We prayed for addiction that exists. We prayed for the depression. I mean, you and I have talked a bit about like 
sometimes in in this area there's a, a jadedness that a lot of people carry around. Yeah, for sure. And a hopelessness and man, the gospel can break through that. And so we prayed for that. And then we ended by praying for the world, praying for missionaries and unreached people groups, praying for church planters. <laughs> um, it was it was really cool. Yeah, I what I loved about it is that it is a beautiful first step for us as a church to continue like I don't want to say, maybe it's not the first step, but it's a continual step of development as we continue to grow and become the church that God has called us to be. One thing that I know classically as a church, we have always been about serving our community in the name of Jesus. And I, that's a beautiful thing. And right now I feel like we are becoming a little more spiritually connected with the Lord. I'm, I'm, I guess... <sighs> What I'm thinking is this. I, I just came off a 90-day challenge to, to pray for, for, 90, for 20 minutes a day. And one of the biggest things I learned in that is that when I pray, I think when I, when I used to pray, the attitude back then was uh, kind of like Moses or like other times, like you can kind of like change God's mind or like, you know, make something happen if you, if you pray. You know, you bring God your petitions and then God answers it, things like that. But after, I don't know, just realizing prayer is about being in tune with what God is doing and being spiritually hyper aware of where God is at work and joining him in that. And so I love seeing us as a church getting on our knees or coming together and humbly asking like, God, where are you at work? And how can we come alongside that? And how can we just be prayerfully mindful of the people, the lives that we touch in the areas that we work and we play? And just the fact that we do that corporately, not just in, as individuals in our homes, but coming together corporately, I think is a powerful, powerful thing. And I would love to see that continue to grow as as we do that more and more. And I loved, uh, and I, I guess I thank you for following or taking my advice, but I love that we gave people half steps, right? Because it, I, I remember being a young believer and I would equate public prayer to public speaking. Mm -hmm. So I want to pray. I want to be a part of this, but if you're going to ask me to speak out loud, I'm scared. I'm nervous. And it's a barrier. So I love that people had the opportunity to just be a part of it and not feel like they had to uh, say anything, but just to be a part of what's happening. Yeah. So that I thought that was super cool. It's cool. You know, prayer really is. It's us proclaiming our dependence on, on our creator. It's us saying, God, I, you know, one of the songs we sing is God, I need you. Mm hmm. Right. And it recognizes that we, we need him like truly desperately. And, and so we come to him not saying God do this or saying, if I, if I say the right prayer, the right way, then I can twist God's arm. But instead when we pray, we're really coming before him saying, God, help me understand the world mm -hmm. the way you want me to help me to endure the difficulties. Lord, help me to trust that you've given me everything I need. Right. Help me to be content with my lot in life and, and help me to work hard for your glory. Like that, that change that happens in you mm -hmm. as you go before him. And James talks about praying wrongly, but as we pray rightly, we become more like Christ. Yeah. And that's, I, as we, as a church classically here are here to serve our community. I, I hope that, we continue to grow in our desire to pray for our community as well and pray for each other and be more spiritually sensitive to the leading of the spirit. So, but speaking of that, I kind of segues into the idea of our, our topic today. So today we are looking at a book that is available at all of our campuses, not for free. Uh, we are kind of opening a resource center. Mm -hmm. So for people who are looking to kind of Go a little deeper, I guess. We have some resources available. Yeah. And the book we're looking at today, I keep looking around for a copy. I just realized I have it digitally. I don't know why I keep looking at my desk. Um, 
the book is Who Am I? Identity in Christ by uh, Jerry Bridges. Jerry Bridges. We uh, Alex has been struggling. My brother has been struggling with that name because every time we say Bridges, we think of like either Jeff Bridges or John. We just feel like who wrote this book, and we we talk about it. But uh, so that's the book we're looking at today, and this book is built around our identity in Christ. Yeah, Mike. I guess uh, you, you, it looks like you've chosen a series of books because I saw the the next one that got put on campuses. And they, it kind of has the same uh, artwork, and yeah, it's by stuff. the same publisher. Okay, and it, it's a, it's a. Not a series necessarily, but I like them because they're short, they're sweet, they've okay. got easy, easily accessible chapters, and so this is like uh, you know our endeavor into introducing some people into some reading that you know there's people that read already in the church, but this is helping entry level. Like let's start reading some things together and mm-hmm. thinking um, and allowing our minds to be shaped by the Word of God and truth that is rooted in the Word of God and applied to our lives. And so, um, yeah. Yeah, it's a great little book. It is a little book, and it's it's. I'm ex- I you know I read the first couple of chapters, and I, it's good. It's good stuff. So with that, we're doing something with our podcast. This podcast, we're encouraging you to read it, uh, encouraging you to engage and highlight it, ask questions, and if you are reading something that doesn't make sense, that's awesome. Hey, you know maybe ask questions. Uh, you can you can direct message us on Facebook or you can email us. Uh, there's a, there's a link in the description. Or you know if you if you go to our church and you happen to have our phone numbers, you can go ahead and and text us and we'll use that as a discussion. And you know what? Even if you're like, I want to ask a question, but I don't want anybody to know that I'm asking it. That's okay. Just let us know that it's an anonymous question. Mm-hmm. At least because you know what? If you're asking that question. I bet you someone else is asking as well. And so we can just bring that to light and we can talk through it. So I, I'm just encouraging participation in that. So, Mike, let's uh, let's just jump into this. Um, I'll let you just kick us off with this book, however you feel we need to introduce this. Right. So, you know, this, this book is really asking the question, who am I? And it's recognizing all the different ways we try to define ourselves or find identity. We find our identity in um, sports or in leisure, or in entertainment, or in hobbies, right? We find identity in our success, or in our failure. We find our identity in our relationships, and our friendships, and our marriages, and in our, you know, if we're parents, or if we're children. And and there there might be some truth to all of those things, but you get to the very bottom, and, and as a believer in Jesus Christ, your identity has been fundamentally transformed to, to someone who is in Christ. And, and so that's, that's, the target of this book that's where the book aims <laughs> excuse me that's where that book the book aims at but it actually starts at an even more basic level that's true of every person whether or not they've trusted Jesus or not and and so chapter 1 is the the truth that I am a creature I am I'm some someone who has been created I have been made and so I have uh I have a creator which also means I am I am not the creator I am not infinite and, yeah. and all powerful. If we are the creature, that means there is a creator, <laughs> and that means there is something higher that uh, above us, right? Mm-hmm. And what I love about this series, because uh, you you mentioned the idea in, the, in from the introduction that many people, when they ask questions, "Who am I?" they he writes that most people try to answer that from subjective experience. Yeah. And what we're looking at, you said fundamentally, that these are things that these are true regardless of how you feel, yeah. regardless of what you are currently experiencing. This is truth. And so that first one we're looking at is, I am a creature. This is objective truth, yeah. whether, whether you agree or not, right? This is how God made the world. Mm-hmm. He is God. We are creation. And, uh, and he will be honored as God, right? Yeah. 
So in the book, it says, uh, I'm a creature in chapter one. It goes into the first subheading. So it says, if we're a creature, that means we need to recognize that we are utterly dependent. And it, it's interesting that he uses the word utterly. Okay. Right. And I, what I loved about that is that he, he makes this case that no matter what you think you're capable of doing, mm-hmm. you're not truly independent ever. And that's, that is a, that is a punch in the gut because we live uh, in the United States of America where we are, we celebrate Independence Day, right? The idea of being uh, independent and a contributing member of society is a point of pride for us. And I I think there's a healthy level of that, but there's also a very uh, uh, idolatrous level to that. Yeah, narcissistic, right? Prideful, arrogant, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so he he talks about how this this utter dependence flows out of being a, a creation. But but even before that, he actually slightly makes a distinction between like, we are creation, but the entire world's creation, we're actually creation that's different. Oh, yes. Because yeah. we are made in Imago Dei. We're made in the image of God. And so we are the ones that have God breathing life into the nostril of Adam, right? Like, so God makes every human being in his image. Right. And so we are, we are set apart from the rest of creation, although we are created. Uh, yet, just like the rest of creation, we are, we're utterly dependent on him. At one point, he talks about what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, kind of about this very issue of being dependent on, on God for everything. Verse 7, he says, what do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? I mean, this is uh, such a another one of those objective truths, right? So, Andrew, let's say you're the the most intelligent guy in a room someday. Maybe it will happen one someday. day, right? <laughs> uh, I'm sure that happens to you all the time, man. Uh, it's probably happening right now, man. Um, I was going to make a dig on one of my roommates, but I just, I just won't do that. Right now. <laughs> so <laughs> I'll just leave that in the air. <laughs> anyway, let's, let's say that happens and, and you realize that, mm-hmm. right? You're like, man, I, I, I know more, or I'm more intelligent, whatever it is. Right. If that becomes a moment of pride for you, we're like, well, look how smart I am. Well, who gave you your mind? Who yeah, gave you your yeah. intellect? <laughs> Same thing with any like uh, skill. You know, you think about athletes today and, and a lot of them are so, uh, you know, like prideful, like, look how good I am. Mm-hmm. Look, at, I can play this sport better than anyone. And that's wonderful. Like, thank God for their, that ability. But at the end of the day, who made that body? And, and of course they work hard at it, but who gave them that work ethic, you know? Yeah. And, and so the bottom line is everything we have, even the things we, we feel like we've worked to achieve even the, the most rigorous study or the gifts we've developed, the talents, the abilities we've honed, the skills, right? Uh, it all comes from from God making us and right. creating us and giving us that ability. And, it, and the book kind of highlights, so in the section, Utterly Dependent, he talks about like, we are dependent on food, life, and breath. And those things, no matter what we do, no matter how hard we work, we are always going to be dependent on those things. And then it, from that argument, it builds onto what you just talked about, is that even our our so-called abilities and our, our work ethic, all that stuff, they're pretty fragile. Mm-hmm. At any moment in time, our, our work ethic can be taken away. I mean, you can be hurt and injured and all of a sudden now you can't move. I, oh my gosh. Like I think about two weeks before I turned 30, I, uh, I was, I was squatting with my brother and he egged me on to squat way more than I should have because he, he said something about me being over the hill and that he's coming into his prime. So he, he, he struck my pride. Yeah. Right. I squatted 
and I was okay. But then the next morning when I woke up, I it began a process where my back was, I was in so much pain for six weeks. I couldn't walk. And it was the hardest thing for me because I remember trying to go to the bean and serving at the bean, working with kids, working behind the coffee bar, setting up chairs, doing all these things. I couldn't do it. And all like the, I, I do, there's a certain pride in me. This is like, I'm here to serve. I'm here to do things. I'm here to do whatever. And eventually that was all taken away in just a moment. Wow. So I, I didn't hear the front end of that story. I've never heard the front end of that story before. Oh, really? I've only heard that you hurt yourself and yeah, take yeah. it out. I didn't realize it yeah, was we uh, were, we were, uh, hubris. And <laughs> she goes, I think we were, I was squatting 285 and uh, Alex wants to go up to 305. And I'm like, ah, I'm, I think I'm good, man. My knee, my knee's starting to buckle a little bit. And he goes, ah, that makes sense, Andrew. You're almost 30. You're getting pretty old. And I'm just coming into my prime. It makes sense that I'm going to be stronger than you. And I said, shut your mouth. Let's do this. And I did it. And then I was injured. Yeah. So, <laughs> but yeah, we are fragile. Yep. So even now, no matter what we do to work, dude, it does, it takes a moment. Anything could happen. And even our physical capabilities are taken. Yeah, I mean, and and not even just limited to that, like our life, right? James writes in chapter four, he says, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or do that, right? Like this is uh, the reality that our life could be demanded of us in an instant. Yeah. yeah. And so our life, our, even our giftings, and you, you talked about that, like our intelligence or maybe your ability to make money uh, with your mind, something creative, all those things come from, God. And though we are given those things, we're, we're accountable with those, with those things. We, we, if we're created in the image of God, uh, the chapter moves, evolve, it evolves into the idea of, uh, was it moral accountability? Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, he, that's a little bit further along than we are right now if we're yeah. thinking about it. Cause actually one of the next steps it talks about is how we're spiritually vulnerable. Oh yeah. We'll come back to that then. Uh, right. And so <laughs> we're not just physically vulnerable, but like, because we are in the image of God and we're, we're different from all of creation because we mm -hmm. have soul right in that there's a spiritual warfare that we experience Yes, and there's a spiritual attack that attack of actually we have enemies, right? And we have, we have enemies in the book labels, three, three different ones. Uh, we have the world, the devil, and our own sinful flesh. And I think sometimes as Christians, we get too comfortable and we forget that we are at spiritual warfare, that at any given moment in time, something is trying to lead us away from the glory of God. Something is trying to break our relationship with him. And sometimes it looks like comfort. Sometimes it looks like the best thing ever. And really it's just hindering us from, a, from I don't want to say achieving, but from being, just being with the Lord. That first one is one that I, I, man, it's big right now. It's it's the world. And in, uh, in the book, it defines it as the totality of humanity that is set in opposition to God. That is the human race in and are culturally looking at things that are biblical or unbiblical and siding with things that are anti-God. Yeah, is the, what they are. the system that works against the yeah. ways of God. And I think we need to be clear here. This isn't a political statement. We can't be on one side of the political spectrum. And and because I see it all the time on Facebook that we we typically label something it's like, oh, they're anti-God and I'm for God. The truth is there's hubris on, on every spectrum of humanity that's pretty anti-God. Because if you are, if you are someone who is um, really, really, really compassionate, society says that like, our, we can we can we can go so far in excess of compassion that we forget that we need to hold people we are accountable that we have to answer for right and wrong but then if you lean too far the other direction and you think only in terms of 
being right and doing the right thing, then you're, you're pharisaical. Well, and those really aren't like warring values, right? Yeah. Because, because the right thing defined by God is always the most compassionate thing. True. So yeah. oftentimes we try to redefine what's right. Mm-hmm. We try to find, redefine what compassion is, mm-hmm. but those actually are in perfect harmony according to God's law, right? Yeah. And so there's never a moment where compassion is actually acting outside of God's law. And there's never a moment where God's law is stepping on compassion. Right. Only when we try to re- redefine it, when yeah. we, when we are the, when we're only accountable to ourselves, mm-hmm. we, we, we have, there's that warning. And at my point, which is bringing up the world in that is it's really easy for us. I think for us to look at everyone else and be like, oh yeah, they're following the influences of the world. When really like there are camps and it's, it's, I don't know. I find myself constantly like questioning, like, am I right with God right now? Because I, I I don't want to be accountable to myself. I'm trying to be accountable to the God I love and serve. Mm-hmm. And then it goes into the other two, uh, the other two, like the devil <laughs> and sinful flesh. But he talks about the mole. Actually, I really I liked what he had to say about the mole. Did you did you read that part? Yeah. 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 Uh, do you want to elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, just the idea of there's a, an agent on the inside working against the best interest of the organization, right? Yeah. And yeah. so for us, we've got that in, uh, we're constantly under attack. We've got this this fleshly desires, <laughs> this old man that we're at battle with, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, working against us. It is. And, and then the way <coughs> the way that looks at times, it could, be, uh, it could be the lawyer in your mind, right? You listen to a message, you listen to a sermon, or you listen to, or you're reading a, some some biblical truth you're you're just experiencing biblical truth and you're convicted and then and you feel like oh man this is right this is wrong then what starts to happen is like I, at least how it is for me is that i start to in my mind start to like but am i wrong and i start to justify i start to twist things i start to do things in my mind i'm like maybe maybe it's maybe it's okay that i uh that i I'm angry at someone because I'm angry for a good reason or, or maybe it's okay that I do X, Y, or Z and you start to twist it. And that's the mole. That's the flesh inside of us trying to discount the truth of God. And that's, and that works in conjunction with the enemy, uh, the devil. Yeah. It's, it's tricky, right? And I think this all underlines the, the point that he's making is, spiritually speaking we are vulnerable we, we are weak mm-hmm. right and that means that we we need to depend on our creator and not just as creator but our savior jesus because it's in him we we find this hope and this protection right one of the songs we've been singing the, during the weekend services <coughs> is not i but through christ in me yet not i but through christ in me and it's got that line um this i know my shepherd will defend me yeah and uh in, in our spiritual vul- vulnerability and weakness we actually have a good, strong, caring, faithful shepherd that watches over our soul in Jesus Christ, right? Yeah, and I think with that shepherd, uh, this I guess is a good reminder that that shepherd uses that shepherd staff to to corral us, to to, to discipline us for our benefit, for His glory and our, our on our benefit. And so when we buck against that, um, well, that's that's the enemy because we are vulnerable and we're trying, we're constantly being led astray mm-hmm. or something is trying to lead us astray. And so uh, I don't know, it, it's a good recognition that like we are dependent on him to continue to guide us mm-hmm. and to corral us and to lead us to our benefit and his glory. And then this is where we get to the morally accountable part, right? Because even though we're uh, vulnerable, 
even though we're helpless, even though we need him, that doesn't mean that we're so weak and, and helpless that like, oh, well, we can just do whatever we want, you know, because we're weak, we can just make excuses for whatever kind of lifestyle we want to live. There's actually, mm-hmm. because we're created, there's a, there's a hierarchy, have you, like people don't necessarily like that word, but there is. Yeah. And who's at the top, but, but God, he is King. Jesus is King and, and he's the lawgiver. He's the one who establishes the way the world works, the order of the world. And he actually gives expectation for us and how we are to conduct our days before him. Yeah. Right. That's, that's moral accountability. And that, that bucks against the idea. And he, he writes in the book that we, we don't like being accountable to other people. We don't like being dependent. Number one, and we also don't like being accountable. Mm-hmm. We like being accountable to self. Uh, that he, he labels that out, and I see that all in our culture. Right now, there is a... I, it is so popular for us to get online, and I see the people posting things, and I, and I get... like People are trying to be encouraging, and I get that. But there are times when people are like, hey, man, you just do you, as long as you don't hurt anybody else and all this other stuff like that. And I'm like, yes and no. But really, like mostly no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we we are accountable to God, and so regardless, that's what I can think. This chapter, the introduction, talks about like there's a difference between objective, fundamental truth versus subjective experience. No matter what you think, feel, the truth is we are created. We are created in the image of God, and so because of that, we answer to him. And I, I know this, this can sound really heavy and this is actually, this is in the application. It leads us to something amazing and something beautiful and in attitude. But I think we need to hold on to the idea that we are held accountable, that when the day comes and we stand before the Lord, actually sometimes we're held accountable even before the judgment, mm-hmm. right? Um, that we will, we, we have to answer for the things that, that we did do or didn't do. And yeah. so it, it changes the way, the perspective of how we live our life. Yeah. You know, that advice, you just, you use one of the most damaging uh, pieces of advice anyone can give. Yeah. I mean, you think about it. If, uh, if we're encouraging each other, just do you follow your heart. And yet the scripture talks about our heart. Jeremiah 17 says it is, it is deceptive above all things. It's desperately sick. Who can understand it? Like I can't even understand my own heart Mm -hmm. because I've got these, these, these warring passions inside of it, right? The, the desires of the flesh, uh, take root in my heart at times. And if I just do me, what am I going to do? Yeah. Well, I'm going to turn my back on the Lord. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go and be a a jerk to people. I'm going to go be, uh, sinful in whatever ways I want, because that's what my flesh wants. That's, that's the way my heart will lead me. And I'm, I'm going to act like I'm not accountable to my maker at all. And yet, yet you got Hebrews. Um, let me pull it up here. Chapter, uh, four verses 11 through 13, right? It says, let us therefore strive to enter the rest, this, this, this promise of God so that no one may fail, fall by the same sort of disobedience. It says for the word of God is living and active. This is what we're accountable to the word of God, sharper than any two edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, <laughs> of joints and of marrow, discerning the thoughts and the intentions of a heart. You've heard this before, right? Yeah. But that next verse says, and no creature, we are creatures, we are created. Mm -hmm. No creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eye of him to whom we must give account. 
asked, right? right. There, there is going to come a day where I'm going to stand in front of God and give an account. And, and it terrifies me to, to say, well, I was just doing me. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> yeah. God, God, you're God. You're the one that made the world, that set the world in motion. You gave me the very breath that I breathe. You gave me every ability and talent that I have. You gave me the mind that I have. And I disregarded you and your word, and I just did me. <laughs> and that's and that's the point of it. That's this. It all culminates in the idea that because we're accountable, that because God has, because we're, we're, we're created and we're dependent on God, and because we're dependent on him, he gives us our skills, our abilities, our talents, our resources, we're accountable to what we do with those things. And if you just do you, that means you're saying, oh, thanks God for my ability to, to make money. Thanks God for my ability to, to do all this and this. But instead of giving glory to you, I'm going to build up my own kingdom. And really at the end of the day, that's just squandering yeah. those gifts. It's idolatry. Yeah. It's worship of self mm-hmm. instead of worship of the living God, right? Yeah. And so that's the wrong way to respond. Jerry Bridges makes a case for application. Like, so... So if we're create, cre- excuse me, if we're creatures made in His image, if we recognize that everything we have is out of dependence on Him, and we are held accountable to Him, how do we respond? Yeah, and He writes how we should respond in, with two things, and I think this is where you're going with mm-hmm. right. And the first one is humility, understanding that our gifts, our talents, our our, our abilities, they're given to us. And they might make us part, like that might be part of who we are, but that those can be taken away and they're meant to be used for the glory of God. You, you, you mentioned about like, maybe one day I'll be one of the smartest people in the room or whatever. Like, to be honest, like I pride myself in being very intelligent. And I, I, I remember in my twenties, if I felt like you didn't know that, I felt like I I would just keep talking until people would realize, (laughs) oh, he's smart. You know, you know what I'm saying? When people would just start to pull out like, just weird information. Okay. So it's like, I just want you, like, I want you to know that I'm an intelligent person because I found my value in yeah. that, you know? And as I've gotten older and as I've been repenting of that and thinking about it in context, like God has given me these abilities, these gifts, what should I be doing with that? And I should be using my intelligence to minister to others. Cause this isn't mine at any given moment that could be taken away. Yeah. That I, he, go ahead. Oh, I was just like, I could get hit in the head and it's gone. Yeah. You know, degenerative diseases are a real thing. And so while I have it, if God has given it to me, I should glorify him and serve as many other people and not serve my own interests. Yeah, it really changes the way you interact with people, right? It does. Because instead of saying, I'm smarter than this person, you say, this person has gifts and abilities, I have gifts and abilities, and God calls me to love them. Yeah. To love them. And that's humility. It's valuing others. It's valuing and considering others. Instead of saying like, oh, everyone should recognize me for for my skills, my abilities. I think about... uh, well, actually, I, I think about and like we've talked about this in the last few years. I've really gotten into uh, CrossFit and other uh, other things like that. But the truth is, as I've trained and as I've gotten better, what I love is that it's given me the ability to love and to serve others more. A couple years ago, there was a gentleman in our church that lost the ability to uh, lay down sawdust in his in his yard, and so he called people from the church to go and and help him with that. And trying, he was trying to take care of the house for his wife. And I uh, went and I, it was fun because for me, I could see that like I had suddenly I had new physical abilities I didn't have before because I'd been working hard and I, I felt like I outworked everybody that was there. And I realized like it just solidified more and more like these physical abilities that I have aren't meant for me to just bring glory to me, but it's to serve others with. And that, 
that changes an attitude, I think. And that's what this, this, this guy is talking about is that we need to be humble with what God has given us because we are dependent on him. And at any moment, it could be gone. That's right. Yeah. And then he says also, respond with gratitude. Yeah, that's which, the other thing, yeah. Which is really another word for worship, right? Like, God, you've given me everything. Everything I have comes from your hand. Thank you. Thank you, like, and not just thank you, like, with words, but thank you with how you live. Like, uh, this ends up being a, a worshipful life where you say, everything I have comes from God, and so everything I have I'm going to use to show people how great and how awesome, how glorious he is. Right. And gratitude is such a powerful and important thing because you could live your life <coughs> comparing yourself to others and asking, why don't I have this? This person has this. Am I not worthy of that? You know, like I, I think the common thing that I think people would would argue about or maybe be jealous of, it would be like relationships, right? But the truth is life is more than what you don't have. Instead of focusing on what you don't have, what God hasn't given you, you should focus on what God has given you because there are beautiful things in that. And we should, I don't know, when you're thankful for that, I think you start to use that and you start to, you start to humble and you start to grow in that. Um, it's that saying, you know, people think like the grass is greener on the other side, but the truth is the grass is greener where you water it. And I think you water it with gratitude. You look at what God has given you and you use that to his glory. And I think it brings a lot more joy. Yeah. And you know, I think you can almost summarize these two applications by saying, love the Lord, your God, that's gratitude and worship and love your neighbor as yourself. Walk humbly before other people, not, not there to, to get what you can out of their life, but to serve them, to, to care for them. Right. This is, yeah. this is the, all of the law summed together. Yeah. Loving God, loving others as, as someone made, created in his image. Yeah. So the, the chapter uh, ends with a, uh, a statement, kind of a summary statement. It says, I am a creature created in the image of God, fully dependent on him and fully accountable to him. That's kind of like the uh, summary statement mm-hmm. that uh, this guy wants you to, to land on. And I guess, I don't know, do you... Do, do you have any reflection questions or do you have any questions that you would have people ask themselves after reading uh, this chapter? I, I would simply ask like, number one, like what are the things that God has given you? Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you're unemployed, but you know what? You might still have your health. You might yeah. have your family. You might have your church, you know, and invest in that. Yeah. Um, I think that's a great question to be reflective and just say, what has God given me? And then maybe say, what am I doing with it? Am I actually using it for selfish gain, mm-hmm. for selfish ambition to make much of myself? Are the gifts that I've been given, are they being used by me to worship self? Or am I actually, how, how am I actually like literally investing in the kingdom of God with, with the life I've been given? And maybe another question would be, um, am I living in a way that recognizes that I am accountable <coughs> to God? Right, because it it's really easy. We fall back and forth uh, between loving God and being idolatrous, even though we don't we don't realize it all the time. But there's there are times we need to just stop and and, and just ask yourself, how am I living my life? Yeah, am I living in a way that recognizes that there is a God? <laughs> you know, and that ultimately is a gospel question, right? Yeah, because at the end of the day, all of us are accountable to Him, and none of us stack up. And so, if we think that we can take what He's given us and earn His approval. Mm-hmm just by trying to be as faithful as we can, we are setting ourselves up for a sad eternity 
because we're going to face God and God's going to look at all of our rebelliousness and all the times we've used what he's given us for our own glory and and we will stand in judgment. But if in that moment we say, I I am accountable and, and I'm accountable and what I do is I cling to Jesus and I say, I have failed, but Jesus was perfect. And I believe in his death and resurrection because of my sins, for my sins. Mm-hmm. And I cling to that and I trust that. Then even in our failure, even our rebelliousness and our sin, even in our cosmic treason, there is this, this hope we have because we've been forgiven and we've been made new and we, are, we will enter into a kingdom of e- eternity with God forever. Yeah, that's good. So guys, that uh, I think we're kind of coming to the end of this conversation. I would strongly encourage that if you're reading this book and you do have questions or even any, you have questions about anything we just talked about just now, feel free, please, to write in. We would love to discuss that. We would love to connect and, and just kind of elaborate more. If you haven't picked up the book, I would encourage you to do so if, if you want to join in on the conversation. But uh, we, so we're doing chapter one right now, but next week we'll be back to do chapter two, and we're just going to work through this book. So chapter two is, I am in Christ, in Christo, two of the most beautiful words you can ever hear, right? Yeah. So we'll talk about that next week. Excellent. Mike, do you want to close us in prayer? Let's do it. All right. Father, I, I do ask in the name of Jesus that you would remind us of, of how we stand before you. Lord, we, we are below you. We are your creation. And we thank you that you have created us in love. You've created us with an affection for us. And Lord, we recognize that in in the the thousands of ways you care for us. Lord, we are more dependent than we even realize it. And you, you meet more needs than we even think about. So we thank you for that, Lord. Lord, in that we, we ask that we would, we would live with gratitude, recognizing that we will be accountable to you for everything we have and everything we do. Help us to live with that gratitude and that humility, ultimately so that you are glorified. And God, we pray that you would use our lives to rescue others into your kingdom, to, to allow others to see the grace that is in Jesus Christ that we have experienced. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen.